This is episode 181 of the Coaching for Pastors podcast. Hey, my friend, happy Friday. Thanks for spending just a couple of minutes with me. My name is Jeff Cady. I am the pastor of Community Heights Alliance Church in Newton, Iowa. I don't say that hardly ever. And sometimes I wonder if listeners to this podcast are like, you know, I hear this guy, but I have no idea who he is or where he's from. That's who I am and where I'm from. I love the church where I serve and the people and the opportunity God's given me to be a pastor with a team and people. And it's wonderful. It's ministry, right? It's difficult. It's tough, but it's also a huge blessing. Hey, there's an event in my life that always reminds me of uh, the spot where you decide to burn the bridge. No going back. The point of no return. Years ago, I was a youth pastor in New York State, and I loved being a youth pastor. By the way, youth ministry is a lot more fun than being a lead pastor. I mean, if you're just counting fun, There's no comparison, no contest. It's way more fun. And we had a youth room downstairs, and we didn't want to call it the basement. We called it the lower level. That gave it a little more class. But it was a huge and wonderful youth room. We had two youth rooms downstairs, actually, and then three game rooms along the sides. And we had sofas and recliners. I remember there were 11 sofas and seven recliners. And they had kind of passed their prime years. And they were, you know, hand-me-downs, and people in the church gave them to us. And me and my buddy Brian, who helped me so much in the youth ministry there, we decided, you know, we, we just need something different. We've got to change things up. And so I don't know which one of us said it, but we just decided one day in the summer, when mostly nobody was around, we decided we were going to haul those sofas and recliners out of the basement and get rid of them. So we got the the yard tractor and put the trailer on the back of it and drove it over next to the church, and we hauled every one of those old, heavy sofas out of the basement. And one by one, we set them on the trailer, and we drove them around to the back of the church to a spot in the field, and we piled them up there. 11 sofas and seven recliners piled on top of each other. And not certain how well they would burn, we got the can of gasoline from the bus garage and we we doused the whole pile with gasoline. And we decided if if we're going to make sure we do something different, let's just torch the sofas. Let's burn the sofas then we've got to do something different. It's a point of no return. Now, again, I wasn't sure how well these things would burn, and I got a match, and I tossed the match, and poof, those things went up. The thickest, blackest smoke curled probably 100, 150 feet into the air. It was, we were concerned. We got real nervous. We were concerned that somebody would see this, uh, bonfire and call the fire department and there would be fire trucks behind the church and we would be in trouble. But somehow they finally burned themselves out and all we had left was a bunch of metal springs and latches and and they were gone. They were burned. We had torched the sofas. The fire department never came. 
from what I remember, we never got, quote, in trouble, unquote, and we ended up having to get new stuff for the basement. Funny, though, today, how I have no recollection of what we then did with the youth rooms. I just remember burning those old stinking sofas. We wanted to make changes in the youth room. We torched the sofas. You know, pastor, in ministry, sometimes we stay comfortable with the status quo, right? We, we fear uh, the conflict. We fear the confrontation. We fear the backlash. Uh, we fear the in trouble that we might get into if we step into something that might cause a little angst with other people. And so we keep things the way they've always been. And I want to encourage you, maybe you need to torch the sofas. Maybe you do. Maybe you need to burn it down. Maybe there's a conversation that you need to have that you've been putting off. You're, you're scared. You don't want the conflict. So you just you keep the silence. Because as long as the silence is there, you aren't forced to confront the issue that you need to change. Maybe you have to torch the silence. Maybe you have to tell somebody, hey, I really need to talk with you about what you said about me last month. Or, hey, we need to talk. Your performance lately is just not producing the outcomes our church needs. Or, I really need to talk to you about your personal habits. I feel like you're really hurting yourself. Or maybe you need to say, hey, can we talk sometime soon? In my opinion, our relationship is just deteriorating little by little, and pretty soon I just feel like we're going to have a huge conflict. You know what? Pour some gas on that silence and torch it. Then you're forced to work through the conflict. Pastor, if you don't act, who will? If there are sofas in the downstairs of your church that need to be burned and you don't do it, Who's going to burn them? Who is going to torch them? Maybe you have to make the appointment, make the phone call, send that email, have the conversation. Burn the sofa so that you can't go back. You can't keep the status quo or return to the way things have always been. Don't allow yourself an out. Sell the building. Kill that church program. Sign up for the thing you've been avoiding. Make the commitment. Pass the point of no return. For me, that time came when I realized so clearly after 10 years of ministry, actually at that church where I burned the sofas, after 10 years of ministry, it was so clear to me that God was telling me, Jeff, Jeff, you need to leave. And I'm like, okay, God, well, where's my next place? No, no, you need to leave now. You need to resign. You need to basically jump out of the plane. Yeah, but God, I have no idea what's out there. I I got nothing planned. Jeff, you need to resign. He was telling me I had to resign and find the next thing. So I talked to my wife. I called my best friend, and I talked to one of the leaders at the church that I had a very close and trusting relationship with, and I knew I had to go. But I also knew that as long as I didn't leave, I had my house, my position, my salary, my life insurance. I could take care of my four kids. 
my family, my wife. I could continue to be dissatisfied. I could complain to my wife about the situation, but I could stay in the safe zone. Or I could just resign effective immediately. You know, something happened on a Sunday in that church that spoke to me so clearly. God made it so evident to me. Jeff, it's time for you to go. I had not entertained for a moment before that event that it was time for me to go. But then I knew. And the people important in my life said, yeah, Jeff, I I think you're right. I think you're right. And so two nights later at a regularly scheduled board meeting, I walked in at 7 o'clock and I sat down with our board members and I went around the room and I spoke something personal to each one of them. And in tears, I told them, we, I recounted a memory over the last 10 years that we had shared together and uh, loving their kids and going on missions trips or activities with their kids or some major event in their life. And I, I just spoke to each board member as I went around the room and and uh, told them that, you know, I, I needed to resign. I needed to resign effective immediately. And then I prayed, and then I walked out. And I had mentioned to them that when I leave, I'm, I'm not going to have any more responsibility. The responsibility for the church was theirs. And I remember walking up to my house on the property and thinking, for the first time since I was 12 years old, I have no job. I am officially unemployed. I'm jobless. I have nothing to do. (laughs) And I was scared to death, my friend. Scared. I have never in my, I'd never in my life to that point ever been so scared. I also never in my life until that point had ever had to truly trust God. Everything that gave me security, everything that gave me income, housing, provision for my family, I resigned from and I walked away from. That church was so kind and gracious at the time to extend to me uh, several months of a severance package, which was which was uh, very gracious of them at that time. And that was really helpful. But within three months, God moved us to a place that I never could have anticipated, never would have ended up at, had I not jumped out of the plane, had I not burned the sofas and passed the point of no return, no going back, and ahead of me was the greatest, the greatest blessings of my life lay yet ahead. We ended up in Iowa. We ended up in a great denomination. My kids ended up with Iowa spouses. Now I have Iowa grandchildren, and I've been blessed out of my mind. My friend, do you need to burn some sofas? Has God been telling you to do something and you've been avoiding it? You've been afraid? You've not wanted to face the consequences, but you know it's the right thing to do? What is it that you need to step into? What bridge do you need to cross over and then burn behind you? What plane do you need to jump out of? trusting that God will slip the parachute on you on the way down? What sofas and recliners do you need to torch in the burn pile? And here's why I say this to you. 
because the greatest blessings lie just beyond your greatest acts of trust and obedience to God. If I had stayed and played it safe, I shudder to think where my life would be today. All of the blessings, all of the relationships that I would have missed. I would not have started a podcast 10 years ago and made so many wonderful relationships. Man, a huge blessing. I want that for you, Pastor. I want that for you. The greatest blessings lie beyond the greatest acts of obedience and trust. Burn the sofas, my friend. I love you, Pastor. I'm so glad that you are the pastor at your church. And I I don't just say that because I know there are kids in your community and likely in your church right now that were just like me as a kid. And you're going to influence them. Your ministry is going to change their life and their family. And you don't see it today, but 50 years from now, there's going to be somebody in a Christian marriage with kids who are following Jesus and grandkids who themselves will for generations have believers in their family because of the work you're doing today in your church. See what's coming down through the decades because of the ministry investments you're making today. You're a pastor. I'm so glad. Thank you for serving. And I'll talk to you tomorrow on the weekend edition of the Coaching for Pastors podcast.